the What is Bitcoin podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the What is Bitcoin podcast. Now, the What is Bitcoin podcast will be a short series, maybe around 10 episodes or so, that I'll produce to try and help you understand what Bitcoin is just a little bit better. My name is Gary Leland, and I run the CryptoPodcaster.com website. You may recognize my voice from some of the other podcasts I produce, like the Crypto Cousins podcast and the 4-Minute Crypto Show. Before we go any further, I want to make sure everyone listening knows about my conference, BitBlockBoom. That's a real Bitcoin conference that's coming to Dallas, Texas this summer. And I say the real Bitcoin conference because Bitcoin is all we talk about at BitBlockBoom. Not altcoins, not blockchain, just Bitcoin. We have a ton of great speakers at the event, so take a look at our speaker lineup today. And if you use the discount code COUSINS, that's C-O-U-S-I-N-S, if you use that code at checkout, you'll receive 30% off the price of your ticket. Last year's event was fantastic, and this year's, well, it's going to be even better. So go take a look at bitblockboom.com today. Now let's get to answering the question, what is Bitcoin? You know, when asked that question, many people will answer it by saying that Bitcoin, well, it's a cryptocurrency. A cryptocurrency? What a terrible answer to give. I say terrible because if someone does not know what Bitcoin is, then they probably don't know what cryptocurrency is either. So answering a question with an answer that most people won't understand, it's not really answering the question at all. I want to answer this question for you, but before I do, let's go to Wikipedia and see what Wikipedia has to say Bitcoin is. If you search the term Bitcoin in Wikipedia, it says, Bitcoin is the world's first cryptocurrency, a form of electronic cash set peer-to-peer without the need for a financial intermediary, and that it's the first decentralized digital currency. Okay, I see they use the word cryptocurrency in their definition too. Now, if you're a techie, that definition might, and I said might loosely there, makes sense. But Wikipedia's answer may still be a little too complicated for the average person to understand. Maybe we should start with the basics and answer another question that may be a little bit easier to explain and will give you some needed background information for understanding what Bitcoin is. And that question is, what is money? People spend money, people save money, everyone has some money, but exactly what is money? Money is really just part of a system that's been put into place to help everybody with exchanging products and services. If I give you something of value, you might give me some money in return. And then I can take that money you gave me and exchange it for another product or service that I may want or need. Throughout history, many different things have served as money, almost everything from seashells to precious metals. Precious metals such as gold and silver have probably been the most common items used for money over the centuries. Since gold and silver are rare and in limited supply, it helps them serve as a pretty decent store of value. But sometimes I really have to question that entire rare and limited supply thing. I mean, they've been mining gold like forever, and they still don't seem to be close to running out of gold. In fact, they seem to keep finding more and more of it, and now they're talking about mining asteroids for gold in outer space. But for thousands of years, gold and silver worked pretty well. Back in 740 BC in China, during the Tang Dynasty, the government at the time decided it'd be great to start using paper for money. 
After all, block printing had just been invented, and what better way could there be to use block printing than for making your own currency? This was actually the first introduction of paper money to the world. I assume the same arguments that people make today about Bitcoin were made back then about paper money. I can hear them now. Why should I trust paper money instead of gold or silver? Or maybe they said, I want to hold my gold and silver in my hands. I think you get the idea. Now let's advance to the future and travel to the United States. In the United States, paper dollars were originally gold and silver certificates. In other words, paper dollars were a piece of paper that said you own some gold or silver and that your gold or silver was being kept safe in a vault for you at the U.S. Treasury. You could take your paper dollars to the U.S. government and exchange them for your gold or silver anytime you wanted. I guess people still weren't all that excited about trusting paper money. Instead, they were technically just trusting the United States government to hold their gold and silver and keep it secure for them. I assume it'd be a lot easier for everyone to carry around paper money than it is to carry around a bag of gold or silver. Now, in the 1960s, the U.S. government took the silver out of our coins. I still remember when I was a kid that all the quarters were solid silver. Then, in about third grade, they started coming out with a new kind of quarter. This new type of quarter had silver on both sides and a lot of copper in the middle, kind of like a sandwich. Then came the 70s, and the president at the time was President Nixon. Now, under his presidency, he took the United States off the gold standard. The gold standard? So, so what is the gold standard? Well, the gold standard was invented by Sir Isaac Newton. Yes, that's right. Sir Isaac Newton is the same guy that discovered gravity. Remember that whole apple falling out of the tree and hitting him on the head story? Well, I'm trying to get the point across that the gold standard was invented a long time ago and worked perfectly well for a long, long time. The gold standard was a system where the value of currency was defined in terms of gold for which the currency could be exchanged. So I'm assuming there was some gold in Fort Knox for every U.S. dollar printed. Now, was is the key word there as the United States is no longer on the gold standard. Instead, the U.S. dollar is just the currency that the United States government has declared as legal tender. The U.S. dollar is not backed by anything except the word of the U.S. government. And it's surprising how many people that I talk to about Bitcoin think the U.S. dollar is still backed by gold. It's a common belief. But if you are under the age of 50, the U.S. dollar has never been backed by gold in your entire lifetime. The U.S. dollar is now what is known as fiat currency, but so is the euro and almost rest of the paper money in the world. If you're not familiar with the term fiat, don't feel alone. Most people have no idea what the word fiat means. The word fiat, it's Latin for it shall be. I guess that term is used for paper money because the government says that the paper money shall be legal tender. The actual definition of fiat money is inconvertible paper money made legal tender by a government decree. So the United States has said, forget about that gold and silver. All you really need is paper money. That seems to be good enough since we're all using fiat money every day and no one is really complaining about it. I'm not sure we have a choice in the matter to begin with. Now, let's move to present time. In today's world of computer technology, fiat money has been digitized, and we've started dealing with numbers and in computers instead of the actual pieces of paper. The digitization of our money makes it much easier to count, move, and store. Most of the money you spend today 
is really just numbers in a bank's computer somewhere. Think about it. What percentage of your income do you really touch in the way of physical money? You probably have direct deposit for your paycheck, and you probably pay your house payment and other bills online or with a check. You probably use credit cards or debit cards for your everyday expenses. So the amount of paper money you actually touch is probably a very small percentage. You are using digital money every day. You just don't look at it as digital money. In some countries, they have already done away with paper money. In these countries, they only use digital money. By now, you're probably saying to yourself, when is Gary going to start talking about Bitcoin? Well, we're almost there. So hold on just a little bit longer and everything will come together, I promise. Now, Bitcoin is digital money, just like the U.S. dollar can be digital money. But Bitcoin is not controlled by the U.S. government or any government for that matter. That may sound a little crazy at first and may even sound a little dangerous. If someone has a computer file that represents one dollar, or in this case, one Bitcoin, what would stop them from copying that file millions of times and creating millions of dollars of Bitcoins for themselves? Now we're talking about counterfeiting, and counterfeiting can be easy to do with paper money, but how about with digital money like Bitcoin? Well, this has really been the biggest problem in the creation and use of digital currency, and this is called the double spin problem. The banks, well, they have a solution to the double spin problem. They use a ledger system on their computers that keeps track of who owns what. The ledger system is known as a centralized ledger, and centralized ledger systems are what the world has been using for many, many years. The bank's ledger system keeps up with everybody's money. It tracks how much you put in the bank, and it tracks how much you spend or take out of the bank. And since we trust the banks and the banks trust their computer, this centralized solution works and has worked in the United States without too many bugs for years. Now, back in 2008, a researcher published a paper describing how to solve the double spin problem without using a centralized solution. In other words, without any banks being involved at all. He described how you could make a ledger system that doesn't rely on a single bank. Instead of a centralized solution, he invented a decentralized solution to handle the double spin problem. Now, you may be asking yourself, how does something work if it's decentralized? Don't you need someone or some company to be in charge or in control? You probably use decentralized services every day that work perfectly well, but you just never thought about it. The Internet is a decentralized service. The Internet is the most powerful network that has ever been created, but there's not a main office for the Internet. There's not a president or CEO of the Internet either. The Internet is just there, and it's completely decentralized. The Internet decentralizes information technology, but how does Bitcoin decentralize money? Like bank transactions, Bitcoin transactions are recorded in a ledger. The Bitcoin ledger is not maintained by a private company like the bank's ledgers. Instead, it's maintained by the public. Thousands of people all around the world have a copy of the Bitcoin public ledger on their computers. Now you may be wondering, if Bitcoin uses a public ledger, wouldn't that cause really big security issues? Wouldn't that make Bitcoin easy to hack? The answer is no. The fact that the Bitcoin ledger is public does not make it easier to hack. It actually makes it harder to hack. As an example, let's imagine I was trying to hack the photos of Abraham Lincoln. I know this sounds crazy, but bear with me for a second. Let's say I wanted to change what people thought Abraham Lincoln looked like. Maybe I want to replace the image of Abraham Lincoln with an image of myself. I'm a good-looking guy. 
I could hack into a lot of websites like online dictionaries, maybe Wikipedia, and other websites about Abraham Lincoln. I could change all the photos on those websites to a photo of myself, but that really wouldn't cause a big issue, except for me getting in trouble probably. There are just too many websites all around the world that would still have the real photos of Abraham Lincoln on them. In other words, I couldn't hack into enough websites to fool anyone. Now, the Bitcoin public ledger works almost the same way as explained in my Abraham Lincoln example. And I hope you enjoyed that example. The Bitcoin public ledger is just too big and it's on too many computers for anyone to hack into and change the information. The Bitcoin public ledger is called the Bitcoin blockchain. And even people who don't have faith in Bitcoin always say the blockchain is a great new technological advancement. You know that Bitcoin is digital and you know that Bitcoin is decentralized and uses the blockchain to confirm transactions. So let's answer the question. What is Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin is a decentralized digital currency. That's it. It's a decentralized digital currency. Since Bitcoin doesn't have a home country or a country of origin, it has some benefits that fiat currencies do not offer. If an economy somewhere in the world fails or a government changes, Bitcoin won't be affected like a fiat currency since Bitcoin is a worldwide currency. Who would benefit the most from Bitcoin? In the beginning, it'll probably be all the people that don't have access to banks. Now, in the U.S., there's a bank on almost every corner, but that's not true in most parts of the world. If you live in Africa, South America, or the majority of undeveloped countries, you will find that banks are few and far between. Most people in undeveloped countries do not live close to a bank, but they do have access to the Internet and probably have a smartphone. That's what makes Bitcoin so valuable. With a smartphone and access to the Internet, you have your own personal bank with you at all times. By using Bitcoin, you no longer have to depend on a bank to receive or deposit money. Businesses all over the world are starting to accept Bitcoin as payment for their products. I personally accept Bitcoin at both of my retail stores. In Arlington, Texas, you can go to Leland's Wallpaper or Softball Junk and pay with Bitcoin. The number of stores that accept Bitcoin are growing every day. There are even websites to help you find stores that accept Bitcoin. Bitcoin could possibly change the entire world of banking, not just for people in undeveloped countries, but for everyone everywhere. Bitcoin is still in its infancy, but as more and more people get involved with Bitcoin and more tools are made to work with Bitcoin, we may find it becoming so important that we can't imagine how we live without it. I hope you now at least have a basic understanding of what Bitcoin is and maybe know a little more about currency in general. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. I would love it if you could give this podcast a five-star rating or a great review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That really helps more than you realize. And please share this podcast with your friends on social media. And let's start educating them all about Bitcoin. Don't forget to look at the BitBlockBoom Bitcoin conference coming to Dallas, Texas at bitblockboom.com. I hope I get to meet you in Dallas, Texas. Make sure you listen to the next episode of the podcast when I answer the question, what is the Bitcoin blockchain? Until then, this is Gary Leland from CryptoPodcaster.com saying thank you for taking the time to listen. The What is Bitcoin podcast and the information included in the podcast are not intended as investment advice. Investing in Bitcoin is risky and you should never invest more than you can afford to lose. 
Always seek professional advice before investing and please understand, you're using any and all information from the What is Bitcoin podcast at your own risk.